Welcome to First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. I'm your host, James Gardner, certified athletic therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, yoga instructor, human being. This platform, for the pros, by the pros, anybody in the performance space, and beyond. Welcome here to share in the stories of professionals, experiences, journeys, learning along the way. It's a platform to connect, to network, and to be a part of a community that cares with conversations that matter, experiences that resonate, and generate ideas, thought-provoking, organic dialogue, passionate probes. Brought to you as always by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic, and Benchmark Athletics. In association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, it's First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. All right, we're back in the exhibitor hall. Um, two very highly renowned and esteemed guests uh, right across the table from me. So first and foremost, thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you've done for the profession. Rick Griffin, Sue Falsoni. Um, I am humbled and lost for words uh, in talking to both of you most of the time. So I'll do my best, but more than anything else, just want to feature Sue. You were the keynote speaker here at the World Congress in Tel Aviv. Um, how did the opportunity sort of appeal to you? What does it mean to be part of the World Congress and, and as a keynote for the international stage? Yeah, so special. Um, this is my third World Congress and the last two to be a representative of PBATS, which is an organization that is near and dear to my heart, um, has just been fantastic, just insanely special. Um, and to be the keynote and kind of pick off that conference um, and the topics that we're talking about here was it was just really such an such an honor for me. And um, the, the World Congress is just such a special place and a special time. Uh, it's an opportunity for athletic trainers and athletic therapists throughout the world to get together, talk about similarities, talk about differences, um, and really just share uh, knowledge and contrast and compare what we're all doing throughout the world. I mean, what an incredible uh, and rare opportunity. Amazing. Rick, um, with PBATS for a long, long time, uh, with the Seattle Mariners for a long, long time, uh, with Sue for a long, long time in terms of support and, and watching her grow and develop um, your experience so far with the World Congress and, and your relationship with Sue as, as the careers have evolved. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. The relationship I have with Sue is special to me because I have three daughters and I always try to help women advance in anything that I can in athletic therapy or athletic training and to see the things that she's done and I know I'll embarrass her but just to see things the things that she has done and the growth that she has enabled women to have as a role model and to see the amazing accomplishments and I know she thinks she's nerdy but she's I admire her and and that's something I don't pass around easily to just the things she's done just I mean I get goosebumps even thinking about it and she is such a great role model and to, to be able for her to come to Israel where 
they are just starting the athletic therapy or the athletic training journey as a country and as, as individuals down here to have her to be able to come down here as a role model. And when they were going through her introduction yesterday and to, to, for me to look back and watch the audience, they're like, wow, this young woman has done an amazing amount of things. So that that's special to me. But the PBAT's involvement in, in the World Congress is is special because we are an educational society we were formed to educate athletic trainers we were formed not only to educate our own but we were formed to educate um, athletic trainers all over the united states and all over the world and we have been on sports medicine seminars in london in tokyo we've been to germany we've been to italy we've been to australia now we're in israel but we support the world congress and it's an honor for PBAS to be able to have the keynote speaker and then for them to ask me to find a keynote speaker and to be able to reach out the last two and ask Sue and to have her commit. I mean, I know she is is very, very much in favor of supporting PBAS, but for her to do that for us and then have her presence at these congresses, it's just a gigantic thing. And it's a it's a big feather in PBAS hat. Yeah, and, and forgive me for not going through the, the whole bio and all the things that you've done and achieved and accomplished. I think our listeners know who you are. Our listeners are um, very aware of, of the things that you've done and accomplished. And I don't mean to minimize any of that. I'm, I'm constantly um, looking up things that you've done, places you've been, conferences you're in, um, the book that you wrote and authored, Bridging the Gap. I think this is the greatest title that we can ever uh, come up with in terms of ATCs, uh, whatever the field is of performance, and your lens of just how you organize your thoughts and how you... Um, see the world of performance and movement and, and no longer you captured something for me yesterday sorry for the ramble but you captured something for me yesterday when you said the best job I had was the one where they didn't care about the letters after my name and that hits a chord for many of our listeners it's like there's a big strive to get these letters get these things do these things but what I want to ask you is when did you feel yourself sort of leaning into more of a, a values-based or vision-driven approach as opposed to getting skills and stacking skills and letters after your name? Uh, yeah, that's that's a, a great question. I, I think, of course, early on in my career and early on in everybody's career, you're sort of certification seeking, you are skill seeking, and that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do that when you're a young clinician. Um, you know, you graduate with the minimal expected skill when you leave school um but that's exactly it it's a minimum standard it's not a maximum standard when you graduate so when you graduate you have to seek continuing education opportunities and we were talking about this early where you know there are um almost continue continuing education require requirements that people just sort of automatically expect you to have and so i think when you're younger you should be skill seeking because that's a, a season in your life where you are supposed to be upgrading your skill. Um, as we move through different seasons of our profession and we move through different seasons of our growth as a human, um, we begin to change and we begin to alter and we begin to see that um, the world isn't black and white or this technique versus that technique. We begin to see, um, we begin to develop more of our clinical art. Um, but we have to have, you can't have clinical art until you have clinical science. And so early in your career, you begin with that clinical science mode. And then over time, you begin to develop that clinical art. You see that the world is more gray um, and there's more shades of gray. And, you know, maybe you sort of 
take a technique that you learned, but you put a little spin on it and you make it your own. And maybe the purists of that technique would be mortified, but for you and your own personal clinical practice, it's what works for you. And so, you know, you begin to sort of manipulate and play with those clinical skills and, and develop more clinical art. And then again, you continue to get older um, and you continue to evolve as a human. And we move into another season where you, you just sort of think like, oh my gosh, everything I've ever learned should just be tossed out the window because now <laughs> I feel like I'm back to the beginning where I feel like I know nothing. Um, and so you just sort of, um, again, kind of evolve in, in, throughout the course of your career. So and I can't put like a, my finger on when I began to kind of change those things, but sure. um, but I think it's a natural evolution for all healthcare professionals over time. Amazing. Um... I talk about running the continuum when it comes to ATCs and AT, you know, athletic therapy, athletic trainers. Um, you talked on sort of this continuum of care that starts from either injury or pre-injury or just knowing who's in the room. And Rick, I'll throw it your way. Um, you worked a long time in baseball. You see guys come in at whatever time of day and you see them go out after the game, you know, leave the facility after the game. This is a long period of time that you're there. Um, can you maybe capture or highlight a little bit on just how important the role of the ATC is all the way through the continuum, not just the initial, you know, we just had Kathy Derringer on here talking about the initial response and an emergency action plan, but those ATCs also get to see DeMar come back and they monitor him and input on his recovery and not just his recovery is fully healthy now, but we have a plan or a succession plan in place, you know, all the way through. Yeah, that, you have to have that. I, I, I believe, um, because you're with in, in professional sports in baseball, which I could speak of, you're around the same individuals basically for seven months right. out of the course of a year. So you not only know, you know what they like to eat, you know what they like to do, you know who they're married to, you know what they're doing, you know their hobbies, you know everything. You know when they're walking, you know who it is by who the, how they walk because you're around them so much. And you when they pitch, you watch them pitch and you know if they're if they're changing their mechanics, it's not normal. You know that because you watch them, you pay attention to that. I think my the thing I always want to try to do is I want to develop trust. And I wanted to, I did, I wanted it to be a two-way street. I never wanted trust to be a one-way street. I never wanted them to feel like they only have to trust me. I always try to let them know that not only my their therapist or their their athletic trainer, but that I can talk to them about other things and I'll help them through problems. Their off-field problems sometimes can affect performance. And and knowing knowing things that might be going on and having them know that they can trust me to talk about that and figure out a way to get that across in the prep in the proper way to management or to the manager that's going to help prevent injuries it's going to help them with their performance but i always try to get i, I try to develop trust and then trust within your team and sue has a really big team that she works with in the nfl my my team had four or five people but you have to develop trust with the people that you're working with it's the same thing you have to have the same kind of trust with your with your fellow uh, fellow therapists with your massage therapist with your nutritionist with your physicians you all have to be on the same page you have to trust each other's guidance and judgment if you don't it's the spokes of a wheel pretty soon this one of the spokes going to break pretty soon the wheel's going to fall off right but that that trust within the people that you work with working on making sure that everybody's on the same page and doing things the correct way not just flying by the seat of your pants there's a reason and a rationale why you do it but developing trust within your own staff is just as important as having trust with your with your athletes. Yeah, and a, and a great segue. I know busy time, you're gonna get out of here. I don't wanna to take too much of your time today. Always happy to have more time at any point that you have some, but um, we'll transition to your role in the NFL. Um, clinical science, 
Clinical Art, um, currently Director of Movement and Return to Performance with the Houston Texans in the NFL. Um, maybe just a little bit about that role and how you play in that sandbox. Yeah, it's it's really a, a dream role uh, because it really culminates all the things that I've learned along my journey uh, and continues to teach me more. Uh, and I think that's the key is that we never really know anything uh, or know everything, I should say. <laughs> Although there's days I feel like I don't know anything that's probably valid. Uh, but, you know, we just listened to a great talk about the emerging aspect of technology within athletic training and within healthcare as a whole. And I think for me, that has been, you know, a massive learning curve for me where um, I'm continuing to grow and expand my skills in that area of applied sports science and, and how do we use technology and data points in order to make really, really big decisions on player health and wellness um, and performance. And so, uh, yeah, to be able to kind of be the silo that bridges the silos is kind of how my role is and, and to really take our wellness team, which is responsible for sleep, hydration and nutrition um, to take our, our sports science and apply that to our, um, not only our injured athletes, but our athletes who were sort of flagging who have the potential to be injured uh, or that we think have the potential to be injured to bridge the gap with um, our strength and conditioning staff um, and with our sports medicine staff. And to really, again, kind of be the silo that bridges the silos within the best interest of the athlete who is rehabilitating and returning to performance, um, or we're trying to make sure that they continue to perform. It's really just been um, a, a fantastic position um, that I'm thoroughly enjoying and definitely being challenged on a daily basis, which is is so great, right? To be um, at this point in your career and to continue to be challenged and um, question and to seek to understand and and to be questioning. Um, that's just such a beautiful thing to continue to be able to do uh, throughout throughout my career lifespan, which is is just really fun. That there's so much still to learn. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's been a, it's been a blast. The NFL is so different than Major League Baseball, um, so different than international soccer, so different than the NBA. And so uh, you know all the leagues are. Uh, so similar and yet so different at the same time. It's it's, it's kind of funny how the, those two things don't seem like they go together, but they're exactly the same and they're a hundred percent different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Rick, to your point earlier, she says humbly as she compares her time in ML, MLB and the NFL and everybody. Soccer. Yeah, soccer, soccer. You got to do hockey yeah. though. You yeah. have to do hockey. Well, you're through the border in the U.S. and we get up plenty. If she's done that, then I'm going to be really impressed. Then then we'll be I'm there. Almost there. You're almost too impressed. Um, really, really appreciate your time, guys. Um, I'll let you run. Maybe just some, I don't know, final departing words for the listeners, whatever you think. But um, Sue Falsoni, keynote speaker here at World Congress 12, Rick Griffin, uh, PBATS, and and all the things that you've done in your career as well. I don't mean to minimize that either. I think, uh, again, I'm humbled and honored. And and one thing, Sue, that jumps out for me is is your ability to um, be where your feet are and, and just truly engage with the audience, engage with the speakers that are here. Um, be present and uh, um, in all that you've done. And uh, I, I really appreciate that. I'm in awe of both of you for um, stopping by, giving some time and um, and all that you've done for the profession. So thank you so much. I'll leave it with you to say whatever you wish to close this thing out and then uh, go put your feet in the sink. Great. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. It's great to just spend a little bit of time. And yeah, to your point, I you know, finger tattoos don't stay very well, but 
neither do toes which i do have some some feet tattoos as well but yeah tattooed on my fingers i have be present be still and breathe um and they're on my fingers for a reason to remind me of those three things every day all the time because you need constant reminders to to put your phone down to engage with the people who are directly in front of you um and and to just be still and you know to keep your eyes above the waves i think especially in professional sport it's very easy to get caught up in the chop of the ocean per se and you know the more you can just kind of keep your eyes above the waves the better uh, off your brain is going to be your heart's going to be and your and your physical performance is going to be um and then to to breathe right at the end of the day uh that is not optional and so uh to try to continue to focus on those three things no matter where i am and um it has served me well in the past and hopefully will continue to serve me well and um, it's just been such an honor to be here in Tel Aviv and to be here with uh, people and therapists and clinicians from around the world to learn from them um, as much as hopefully I'm contributing to some type of learning for them. They have also taught me in that process. So for that, I'm extremely grateful. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll end it there unless you got I'm anything good. to top that out. Thank you so much. I truly mean it. I'm humbled, honored, grateful for your time. And uh, again, all that you've done. So Thank you. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. Check us out online, firststartherapy.com. That's F-I-R-S-T-A-R therapy.com. Or email us with feedback, consult at firststartherapy.com. C-O-N-S-U-L-T at firststartherapy.com. On Instagram at firststar.therapy. And our podcast host at Let's chat.at. This is First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. <laughs>